Senior Pastor Steve Treichler uh, is traveling. Hamlet Vasquez, Associate Pastor, is traveling. So you get me. Uh, my name is Cor Shemaleski. I'm an Associate Pastor here of Outreach and Assimilation, which just means I get people connected, I think. I think that's what I do. Um, but Steve will be back next week. Uh, but we're going to continue on in our journey through Acts, and we're going to reach the halfway point. I mean, come on. We're going to get there. So, um, you know, I don't have a great memory. I don't remember certain details of my childhood very well. Um, But I do remember distinctly one track meet that I had back in elementary school. I went to Snail Lake Elementary School. Any Snail Lake snails? I think we were the snails. There, anybody? No? Okay. Uh, And we were welcoming Turtle Lake and Island Lake to our school for a big uh, track meet. And and Island Lake, they were just the powerhouse. They were just unstoppable. You know, they were the biggest school. They had the highest jumpers. They had the longest jumpers. They had the fastest sprinters. Um, they, They were a machine. And all they do is just kick butt. Can I say that? They just kick butt. And they did it every meet. And, and uh, they were doing it this meet, too. They were just, they're like sweeping events, like one through eight, Island Lake people, just nobody else. And so the day is nearing, nearing its conclusion, and all the attention begins to focus on the final event. The big final event is the four by 100 meter relay. And this is so exciting, a way to build team spirit. I mean, Island Lake had already won the meet. It wasn't even close. And so all the other schools were, were looking at this final event and saying, hey, if we can win this, that will redeem all those other events when we got our butts kicked. So we, we were the same. We thought if we could just somehow find a way to win this event, it would make up for it. So our coaches put together the, fi- the four fastest guys we had, and we put them out there. Now, it's funny, I wasn't even considered to be one of those guys, but we, we put our four fastest guys out there, and, and the gun goes off, and we get off to a great start. We are neck and neck with the best team from Island Lake. Comes up to that first exchange, first guy, I'm going to hand it to the second guy, and we're still neck and neck. By the time we get to the second exchange, midway through the race, we're, we're just barely behind. We're just barely behind. But we're going to hand the baton to the fastest guy in our school. So we get that second exchange, and he shoots out of a cannon. He blazes. And he is, by the time he gets to the final exchange, he's about between 10 and 15 yards in front of the best Island Lake team. This is huge, people. This is fantastic. And so we go, and he hands that baton to the fourth leg. Who He's basically got to walk to the finish line. We make the exchange. And the final guy goes to switch it to his other hand. And he starts this juggling act that you see in a circus, trying to bobble and get a hold of the baton, slips through his fingers, hits the ground, as our hearts do the same. The first Island Lake team passes him. The second Island Lake team passes him. The third Island Lake team passes him. Even Turtle Lake got a relay team to pass us. And we end up fifth. Yeah. It still hurts, you know. 
I want to talk with you this morning about the importance of passing the baton. And this message is entitled, The Value of Discipleship. Passing that baton onto the next set of people that are going to keep running the race. Open up with me to Acts 14, verses 21 through 28. It'll be on the screen. It's uh, on an insert. I kind of switched versions in the middle somewhere. Maybe you'll pick up on that. Sorry. It goes like this. After they, meaning Paul and Barnabas, the ones we've been tracking, they're, they're on their journey, okay? After Paul and Barnabas had preached the gospel to that city, Derby, you've got to go back a verse to figure out that, and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. The text says that in Derby they preached the gospel and made disciples. They preached the gospel and made disciples. Preached the gospel. Simply put, they told the people the story of Jesus. There's a way to know God. His name is Jesus Christ. He lived thousands of years ago. He knew all about God because he was God. And he shared wonderful teachings, but it just wasn't a philosophy. It was a way of life. Living for God. He died. He was, he was put to death. Seemingly like anybody else who dies and is executed. But in this case, it was for our sin, for our imperfections. We failed to follow God's law. And just like there's physical consequences for not following the law, there's spiritual consequences for not following God's law. And the punishment, our punishment for not following God's law is that we're separated from Him. We cannot have fellowship with Him. We can't have a relationship or a friendship with Him. But when Christ died, He allowed us to come near to God. Christ died. He paid the penalty. That spiritual separation that we are going to experience forever from God Christ experienced that for us so that we can draw near to God. We got all of Christ's good stuff, all of his righteousness, all of his holiness, and he took all of our yucky stuff, all of our sin, all of our deceit, and he bore that penalty on the cross. And now it's our choice whether we want to come near to God through Jesus and accept that free gift or deny him and go it alone. Paul and Barnabas were sharing this message. They were preaching the gospel about Jesus. They went from house to house explaining this to the people. It also said they made disciples. They made disciples. You can think of a disciple as a follower or an apprentice. Any of you caught up, infatuated with the Donald Trump and his hair and his show? So you might understand if you, if you watch that what an apprentice is. But they, Paul and Barnabas were about making imitators. They made followers. They helped others to do as they did. Paul and Barnabas made disciples. They made them. This may seem like a strange concept to many of you who have maybe grown up the church because it's, it's God's job to make disciples, isn't it? I mean, Christ, he had 12 disciples. He took a bunch of misfits and made them into excellent followers. They were clueless. 
hapless apprentices, and he created them into a force that would change the world. Isn't it God who makes disciples? How can it be that Paul and Barnabas make disciples? Or you and I make disciples? Well, we'll get to that later, but the first thing we need to remember is that we've been commissioned, called by Jesus himself. In Matthew 28, verse 19, he says, you guys, go and make disciples. It's the Great Commission. All followers of Jesus Christ are called to make disciples. If you're here this morning and you follow God and you love Jesus and you've said, Jesus, I accept your, your penalty on the cross for myself. If you're a follower of His, you are commissioned to go and make disciples. Yes, it's God. God makes the disciples, but He's offered us a share in this. It's like when the Donald let the first year's winner take over one of his businesses. God's inviting us to share in his plan, to be a part of this process. And so Paul and Barnabas preached the gospel and made, the disciple, or made disciples, and we're to do the same thing. They did this in a city called Derby. It's kind of interesting because if you go back to the beginning of their journey, they start in Antioch, they travel to the sea, then they go if you're kind of on a map, this is north and kind of down here south, okay? So they go to Cyprus, which is in the sea, and then they end up coming kind of up over here to land in Pamphylia. Then they go directly north. Not me. Um, then they go to Pisidian Antioch, okay? So they're, they start way over there, and they've come around, and they're here, and then they move down to Iconium, and they come down here to... Help me. Lystra. And then they're Derby. Okay? So they're here. <laughs> I'm not going to hug the speaker, okay? So they're here. And they've traveled all this way, preaching the gospel and making disciples. And Derby's the end of the road. They're not going to any more cities. There's home right there where they, where they started this long journey. 200 miles away. Just go along the, the coast. You don't even have to get back in a boat. Just go along the coast. 200 miles. But they don't do that. Why not? Why don't, why don't they just go home? Instead, they start traveling back and retracing their steps of where they came from. They could have been home. Soon, very soon. But they double back. They return the way they came. They exchange a 200-mile jaunt for a 600-mile jaunt. What would cause Paul and Barnabas to do, such a, to do such a thing? I mean, I love sleeping in my own bed. And if, there's, if I can get, get there in 200 miles versus 600 miles, I'm going to take that. So, so why? Why would they do that? And I think the answer is that they valued discipleship. Paul and Barnabas understood and valued discipleship. They wanted to make people into die-hard followers of Jesus. It wasn't enough to share the message one time. It wasn't enough to just show up in the synagogue. It wasn't enough for them to drop by and then move on. They valued discipleship. Verse 19 says that the Jews, I don't have it up there, but listen, the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, 
and were trying to win the crowd over. These Jews opposed Paul and Barnabas, their message, their teaching. So it wasn't enough for Paul and Barnabas just to drop this message on them and say, see you later. They valued, deeply valued, and understood the need for discipleship. So what is this thing that, that, that I call discipleship? We've already looked at how Paul and Barnabas were given to making disciples. It, it encompasses a lot. It's the whole big process of taking somebody who knows nothing about God, couldn't care less about God, and bringing through the transformation where they love God and they're passionate about Christ and they themselves want to preach the gospel and make disciples. I wrote in the insert there, there's two blanks to fill in. I define the discipleship process as this. It's that process of taking somebody from spiritual infancy and bringing them all the way to spiritual maturity. From spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. It's the process of teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man or woman of God will be thoroughly equipped for every good work they encounter. It's the process of picking them up when they need a hand, listening to them when they need an ear, and kicking them in the butt when they need a kick in the butt, and sometimes we need that. It's being Jesus to them so that they might follow you as you follow Christ. And there are a number of steps in this journey. I found one that I want to show you. It's a video clip from the movie Rudy. Um, it's a great classic movie. Um, Rudy, played by Sean Astin, the, uh, what's his name in the Lord of the Rings thing? Samwise Gamgee, Gamgee. I'm not a huge fan of the Lord of the Rings. Sorry. Uh, ooh, sheesh. <laughs> Stay where you are. Whoa. The whole second movie is just three guys running, all right? Go back and watch it again. It's three guys running. This debate continues in my in-law's house. It's just three guys, and they just run. Sometimes they put their ear in the ground, and then they just keep running, okay? Watch it for yourself. We'll talk. We'll get coffee after, okay? So anyways, Rudy, played by Sean Astin, has worked his entire life to be a part of the Notre Dame football program. Eventually, eventually, all his work pays off. He gets into Notre Dame. He even makes it onto the football team as part of their practice squad. But his ultimate goal, what he really wants beyond anything else, is to just suit up for one game, to make the dress list, to be able to run out of the tunnel and be on the sideline while a game's being played. And in this clip, Rudy has just found out that in his final game of his senior year, he didn't make the dress list. And he's heartbroken. One of the reasons he's heartbroken is because he, he believes he's let a bunch of people down. One of them is a guy named Fortune, who's played by Charles Dutton. And Rudy was the, under the impression that Fortune had never witnessed a game inside the stadium. And so the first game that Rudy dressed was going to be the first game that Fortune saw, or so he thought. So let's take a look at how Fortune interacts with Rudy. So when Paul and Barnabas are here, instead of going home, they understand that there might be a Rudy out there. They understand that there might be someone in need of encouragement, in need of a good kick in the pants. You got to love that line. Boy, you are so full of crap. <laughs> we need that sometimes. We need people in our lives that are going to help us in this journey. 
And Paul and Barnabas wanted to do whatever they could to help people through this process, this Christian journey, this experience of life. Continuing on in our passage, it says that they then returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Everywhere Paul and Barnabas traveled, they faced opposition. Reread their journey. They met persecution. They met false prophets. They met misguided Gentiles who had no understanding of God, wanted to actually bow down to them. They met Jews, who, Jews who followed them. As they went from city to city, the Jews followed them from city to city trying to dissuade people, trying to stir up the crowds against Paul and Barnabas. Everywhere they went, they faced opposition. It would have been the easy thing for them to just go home. Are you too good for your home? Just go home. But they don't. They turn around to strengthen the disciples, to encourage them, to tell them, hey, this is worth living for. This is worth continuing on in. Keep going. Keep going. They value discipleship so much. Picking up in verse 23, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. They appointed elders with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. So they set up a team of leaders in all the churches, in all the cities that they visited. Paul and Barnabas are, are passing the baton on. They're giving it to other leaders, people who are spiritually mature and saying, hey, we preached the gospel and made you into disciples. Now go and make disciples yourself. Keep the cycle going. We're passing the baton to you and you're going to end up passing the baton onto somebody else. And so they raise up some leaders to create more followers. They get some teachers to teach the students. They get some lovers of God that would be willing to take the time that's needed to strengthen and encourage and help them remain true in the midst of hardships. It says Paul and Barnabas committed them to this work and then they went on their way. Passage continues, after going through Pisidia, they came into Pamphylia, and when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to uh, Atalia, Adalia, sorry. Uh, they doubled back. Again, they're coming back on this journey. They're circling back. They're continuing the process of making disciples, helping people go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. And then it goes on. They actually go home home now. From Italia, Adelia, they sailed back to Antioch where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them. And now he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. So here's where it comes out. Making disciples is not just you. It's not just about you. It's a partnership we have with God. In fact, it's, it's actually God's ultimate deal. He cares about people more than we ever could. We don't have the compassion and the love and the patience that are needed 
to make disciples, but God does. And he invites us in these verses to serve alongside him. When Paul and Barnabas were originally sent out, it was with the grace of God, under God's power, God's direction, God's discernment, God's grace. And then it says, Paul and Barnabas returned home having completed their work. It was their work. Again, going back, it says that Paul and Barnabas gathered the people of Antioch together to report what God had done. Again, it's God's thing. It's God's deal. Will we swing it back over this? This had happened, this had come forth through the preaching of Paul and Barnabas. And so it's both. It's both God and us working together. Sometimes it's more than just you and I and God. It's many people. Think in your own life. How many people have influenced you, have helped you to come to know God better? Tens, hundreds? It's corporate. It's many people. It's a partnership between people and God. Just for the fun of it, I started to list some people in my own life that have helped me in this journey. My wife, my dad and mom, my brothers, my brother-in-law, my other in-laws, Steve Treichler, Hamlet Vasquez, Brian Schubring, numerous teachers, including my third grade teacher. My third grade teacher has had a powerful influence on my life, Mrs. Lundmark. My fourth grade teacher, Mrs. Green, challenges me to this day to know people's names and what an honor it is when you know somebody's name. More. Every athletic coach I've ever had, most notably my little league coach when I was 11 and 12 years old, Len Pratt. He was such an encouragement. Some friends of mine, Todd, Sam, Neeraj, Nathan, Deb, Ben, Peter, the guys on my softball team, huge influence on me. The guys who I play softball with bless me in my spiritual journey from infancy to maturity. In most recent times, the guys in my Sunday night Bible study, Dave Sulak, Merrill, my son Drew, challenges me to be a better dad, a better man of God than I've ever been before. And the list could go on forever, but most importantly, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, transforming me, helping me to mature. Some of these people I've known my whole, whole life, ever since birth. Some of these people have been in my life for only a short time, but each has had an influence on me. And so I would just want to encourage you, never underestimate the influence you have with others. Whether it's in a Bible study, whether it's in a worker relationship, whether it's a classmate. The Bible says that as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. As a teacher, as a coach, as a spouse, as a parent, as a child, as a boss, as a coworker, as a friend, I challenge you to make disciples. Encourage, strengthen, correct, train, rebuke. Tell them they're full of crap if they need it. Help them become a better, better follower of God. Verse 28. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples. Paul and Barnabas, when they returned home back to Antioch, they stayed there a long time with those disciples. Making disciples takes time. Valuing discipleship like Paul and Barnabas 
takes a great deal of time. And we may agree to it. We may agree that it's a great thing to do. But we look at our schedules and we look at our calendars and we throw our hands up and we go, how in the world am I going to fit this on my calendar? And I think the call to discipleship that we're given by God and given in this passage is that it's to be so esteemed that we're willing to exchange things of our lives and pick this up and do this. It's not just adding it on top to an already hectic schedule. It's saying this thing that I do that's fun and it's great and it's good, I'm going to not do that so I can do this. So I can preach the gospel and make disciples. Which I consider even better. It's exchanging something of value for something of greater value. So what does this look like in your life? I'm asking you. Answer to yourself. What does this look like in your life? For some of you, this may actually mean asking help. You're not ready to make disciples. You don't know a lick about the, the message of Jesus. You just need, you need help. And it's okay to ask for help. That's what we're here for. Feel free to come to me. Feel free to ask the people that are down front afterwards that want to pray for you. Ask for help if you need help understanding some of these things or if you want help becoming a disciple. Get a mentor. Excellent. Join a small group. Become a disciple. But what does it mean for others of you who have already started this journey? You've already said yes to the claims of Jesus. For Paul and Barnabas, it meant taking the long road home. For fortune, it said, I'm going to look at this guy Rudy and I'm going to help him out. I'm going to take him under my wing. For my baseball coach, Len Pratt, it was coaching baseball. What does it look like in your life? As followers of God, we're part of a spiritual legacy. This church is part of a spiritual legacy. The baton gets passed from generation to generation to generation, and the cycle continues. Paul and Barnabas handed it to these leaders in these churches and commissioned them, saying, Hey, now it's your turn. And then those people that received that, they were challenged. Hey, now it's your turn. Go, pass the baton. Preach the gospel and make disciples. And the cycle has continued for centuries. And the baton's been given to us, literally, by Central Evangelical Free Church. They literally gave us the baton and said, Hey, it's your turn. Preach the gospel. Make disciples. On the back of your worship folder, you can read, that one of our values is making disciples. We've been commissioned as a church to make disciples. And as your pa- one of your pastors, I want to invite you to be a part of what God is doing here. Help us. Help us preach the gospel. Help us make disciples wherever you're at. Wherever you're at in life. Help us join with God to make sure this baton of discipleship gets handed off, gets passed on to the hands and the feet and the people who are going to bring the message to the next generation. Will you pray with me? God, thanks for your word. Uh, It's a challenging message uh, to preach the gospel and make disciples.
It's hard. It takes effort. Like Paul and Barnabas, we will be opposed in our trying to carry this out. We will be opposed by people who dislike this message. And I just want to commission us as a church, God, right now. I want to pray for us. Help us, God, by the power and presence of Your Spirit. Strengthen us. Encourage us. Help us to endure as we go forth and preach the Gospel and make disciples. Help us individually in our work, in our families, in our school to pass that baton on to others. And as a church, God, help us to do it corporately. To train up leaders. To encourage one another. To stand side by side as we carry out this commission to preach the gospel and make disciples. We lean and depend upon Jesus and your spirit. Amen.